But yeah, that's how I found, found out for sure that I had APS. And then I was like, okay, well, what do we do for treatment? And he's like, well, first of all, um, this disease does cause like miscarriages or stillbirth. So if you ever want to get pregnant, you're going to have to come to me first. Tell me like, hey, I'm going to get pregnant. Like you have to plan this child out because it's not going to be that easy. You have to come to me, get some shots done. So that way, when you do plan on getting pregnant and when you do conceive, you won't have a chance of getting a miscarriage. So It's your girl Mandy V back at it again with another episode of Period Sis brought to you by the official box owner. I am again joined by another woman today who is going to share her journey in infertility. And I mean, of course, you guys know we've talked a ton about periods, reproduction, um, and this is also one of those journeys that I think you guys will all be um, really drawn into because I, for the first time, in hearing about yet another syndrome that I had absolutely no clue existed. And this is again why I love doing this podcast because not only do I have women who are brave to share their journeys and what they're going through, but also the ability to educate other women who may also be experiencing this and feel as though they have no answers. Um, so again, guys, it's another tale of womanhood for women by women. Guys, today I am joined by Carla, who is going to walk us through her journey of infertility. Carla, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I um I have, like you said, like a, a story that's a, a bit atypical. And so I know I would have loved to he to have heard about this before my journey. Um, so hoping this helps someone. Um, but I'm gonna just start out and talk about like where everything started. So like a lot of people, you know, I, I sought out marriage and got married to someone and, and I had had you know, all the conversations you're supposed to have in the beginning. What do you want? What do you want to do? What do you, what, how do you see this marriage? And every, everything aligned before getting married. Do you want to have children specifically? And um, I think like looking back on it, I think I had some red flags, but they said yes. And I, hey, what, you know, yes means yes. Um, yeah, right, so, right. You would think it does, right? <laughs> I would think. But we got married. Like we even had counseling where we discussed that, and we decided that a year after being married is when we would start planning, or is when we would start trying. Okay. Um, because we figure, you know, you knock out a year, we can get all the like get our crap together, and then start on on, on children. But we never did. And like, what was crazy is we even started tracking my period together. Um and just never never got down to it now to be fair he he does suffer from and this will be re kind of relevant to what we talk about and he has an autoimmune disorder um, okay. called crohn's disease where basically that will affect your hormones it's it's related to the thyroid and it basically had hypothyroidism which is like low production of hormone from the thyroid um so he kind of correlated it to that so i think that he he, he correlated not wanting children to that or correlated not even wanting to attempt to try like do you think it had something to do with him feeling like i don't want it on front street that i'm a failure and may not be able to produce children that part okay and so you know i that 
immediately turned on my sympathy mode. Like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to pressure you. We got time, you know, um, let me give you your space. But then a year passed. And, and then it was like, hey, you know, hey, let's revisit. And then, but the same thing. And at this point, they were on, you know, they were being medicated and their levels were normal. So then I'm like, all right, sums up. And so then I'm like, well, what, well, why don't you get like the test test? Like, you know, um, find out if you are eligible, you know, if you don't want to try, like maybe you want to make sure your health is clear, unresponsive. Anyway, mm. it, it was a lot of deflecting. Um, but eventually without going to a physician, he said, basically medically, I'm not able to. And that was a lie. And that's when I knew it was time to leave. Cause I knew at that point they are manipulating and kind of taking advantage of their medical situation to make me feel like they are just incapable, which wasn't true. But it just may have just been, he was a man who just did not want children. Mm -hmm. Despite and the fact that you guys had the conversation, right? It's fine. You know, it's it's fine, but uh, we kind of talked about it and it was a yes a few years ago. So how long were you guys married? Uh, oh, I think a total of five years, but I left at year four. Okay, you left at year four and this was because of the children conversation and you really wanting to be a mom? Yeah, because I think if if he were open to children, like maybe even if not naturally, like he would be open to adoption. So I think it was just very clear that he just didn't want children and he was never going to say it. And so okay. at that point, I just had to make I knew that was a goal of mine. And at that point, it was if I stayed and didn't have kids, I would resent him and me, which wouldn't make for a health, healthy marriage anyway. So it was like it was time to go. Okay, so you choose to divorce your husband because you wanted to be a mom and you wanted to build a family. Um, can you talk about what dating was like post that? And if you really went into dating looking for a baby daddy? <laughs> so when I left, I was like dating. I was like, I don't even want to date. I was like, oh. I want to hoe out. And and and, I'll, and then in addition to that, find uh, a parent, a, a Sorry, a parent. My Midwest is coming up. A person that would that would like to co-parent. Okay. And and I didn't want marriage um, or any of that. I just wanted to just straight up. And I had an ex that was open to that at the time. Was like, cool, let's do it. But by the time I moved to the place where they were, they changed their mind. They think they felt like they wanted to do go the more traditional route, which I can respect. Okay. I'd rather you say yes before the child is here. Or say that you don't want to do it before I'm pregnant. So I actually met a guy. I'm going to try to keep this short. But I had um, caught up with a guy I used to teach at a college. And they had a graduation. And I saw him. He happened to be there because his brother was graduating. Okay. And and I was like, oh, I'm moving back to such and such. And he said the same thing. And I was like, you want to get up when we get there? So we got up. And we went out to eat. And then, and then was just talking afterwards. And we got into the, you know, I was like, I don't know what your intentions are by meeting up, but just to let you know, I'm married. Like I hadn't been divorced yet. And I was like, you may want to know that if you have any sort of like, you know, link up intentions, but right. I I'm trying okay, to get so a divorce. I, I do want to ask you then. So while you're dating and also seeking a co-parent, um, you, you were intentional letting the people know that you were dating what your intentions were up front. At this point, you weren't looking for a relationship, but was this someone you were looking to to talk the potential co-parent conversation with? No, not even. Like, I wasn't even dating. Ah. Like, we just, it was just like a, we went to college together and it's like, let's, let's just catch up. 
Okay. And we just happened to be getting in a conversation. But he asked, he was like, well, incidentally, like I told him I, I left my marriage because I want to have kids. He was like, oh, incidentally, I want to have kids. And I haven't met anybody. You want to have kids. Day one. Wait, it was that simple? Can, can I also real quick, I want to take a step back for, for the ladies listening. I mean, and you mentioned traditional way of having kids. Now, we know the stigmas um, that are attached to single mothers. However, you intentionally pretty much wanted to go into a situation in which you would not be with the father of your children, but you would just co-parent with them. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. So he agreed to it outright as well. He suggested it. Like I was, okay. it wasn't even in my mind. Like I was just telling him my story and he was just like, I was just, he had just had a conversation the day before with his very close friend that he wanted to have children and he was going to seek wow. out having children. And so even when he asked me, I didn't think he was asking me. I thought he was like, just saying, Hey chum, you're going to have a kid and I'm going to go out there in this world and have a kid and we're going to support each other. No, he's like, let's, let's, get, let's, let's, get, let's get it going. <laughs> so okay, anyway, so, yes, go ahead. So, so he hit me up like, I think a week later and he was like, so when would you like to start trying? I was like, huh? Uh, so that's when it clicked. It was like, Oh, you together. You'd like to, Oh, oh okay. Let's talk first. But anyway, so yeah, we, we had a bunch of conversations, made sure we were on the same page, right? Because I didn't want to do that again. And then we started trying, like maybe three weeks after that conversation. Real quick, um, mm-hmm. before we get into um, your family planning and your attempts at getting pregnant, what were the things that you and him discussed in order to be on the same page as co-parents? Like, what were the boundaries set? What were the conversations to make sure you guys both had the same I guess, definition of what co-parenting looked like for the two of you. Mm. So we both agreed that at first, because now we're in a relationship, but at first we were like, there are, there are no feelings here. We are strictly doing co-parenting. What does parenthood look like to you time-wise, support-wise, financial-wise? What Mm. is, you know, does your family participate? What does your family look at? You know, what are your family beliefs? What are your family beliefs and discipline? Do you feel like your relatives or friends have a hand in any of those things? Um, Okay. Just everything. Where are you going to be five years from now? You know, just a lot. Okay. Wow. So how long before you guys start trying? Three weeks. Because it sounds like I was about to say, girl, it sounded like it was pretty quickly. It was right. It was very, so, it was very quickly. So you guys go three weeks into trying to incept, and let's talk about what that journey was. Let's talk about then uh, your first pregnancy with him. So we were trying, um, and I think this is important too. So, uh, and this was off and on because I would go out of town or he would go out of town. But this was off and on for about ten months before I I got pregnant, and I think that's because, um, and this is for the women out there. Uh, when you're tracking your period and you take the test for the HCG hormone or whatever to see that you're ovulating, for our age, it's probably a little too late. What is our age? Let's talk about age. So I, oh, yeah. That, thank you. Um, so I'm 41 and and he's 40. Okay. And so the sperm move a little slower as you get older. Um, but the egg only has 12 hours when it's like out and ready to be conceived. Yes. Only 12 That's hours. That's it? Yes. 
So this is also good information if you're not trying to get pregnant too. So you have an ovulation window and the idea is that that's the range. So sperm need time to get to that part um, of the uterus, right? Um, so, and that takes time. So basically if you try maybe a couple of days before, then the, then the sperm are present for when the egg does come out. That's the idea. Okay. So like I ovulate typically on day 14 or 15, that means I need to have sex. What, what, what ended up being suggested to me was have sex on day 11 and day 13. So that by, by the time the egg comes, the sperm are already present. Wait, sperm can live just that long Up swimming? to five days. Okay. Okay. You teaching me something. I thought, listen, I thought they just came right out, but I guess not. They just stay up in there swimming. Okay. So here's the thing. Does your body even stop a certain amount of sperm from getting in? Because oh. if there's too many that can, it re, like conception really is a miracle. There's so many conditions that have to be in place in order for it to happen. Um, it has to implant, right? You know, so there's so many things, but yes, like up to five days, sperm be swimming around. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, so you you learned all of this regarding your ovulation at um, what they call the geriatric yes. uh, phase of a woman, which is, ladies, this is what's crazy. And we talk about the biological clock a lot on, on this show as well, uh, specifically as it pertains to um, conceiving as well as menopause and just your cycle altogether. And Yes, we, we know that right after, I believe it's 35, correct? Once you reach 35, you're considered geriatric in terms of, <laughs> and look, it, it is, it's crazy. Because, you know, we think of geriatric as like the old folks home. No, when you are 35 years old women, you are considered geriatric in terms of reproduction <laughs> and pregnancy. So Carla, you figured all of this information out. However, you did get pregnant. Yes. So let's talk about that. Okay. So after 10 months of trying, like any, for anybody that's trying, if you go, cause what you're told as a kid is like, if you have sex without a condom, you're definitely getting you're, pregnant. Yes. So you think, yo, it's been eight months. Why, what the hell is wrong with me? Nothing. It's just you missing your freaking egg more than likely. Every, it's okay. different for everybody. But of course. I think likely most people are probably missing their egg. Um, so anyway, so when you do get pregnant, oh my God, it's like, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm normal. Like, yay. It, it's, it's happening. The joy. Ah, like, I can't wait to get fat. Like, <laughs> at least me. I don't know if, you know, I'm sure people get scared a lot when they get pregnant. Too, but, <laughs> but you were excited. I was excited. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, let, let's keep going. Cause, okay. So yeah, after I, after um, we got pregnant, I like to say we, because um, cause the father in this case is very much in, involved, but, um, so everything seemed fine. Went to the doctor, made sure my hormone levels were fine. Make sure like everything is up on the up. And then because I'm a, like you said, geriatric age, they want to like <laughs> check in on you, make sure everything's okay. So I came back, I think for a four week appointment appointment and I got like chromosomal testing and like a bunch of other stuff and everything was, was normal. Um, a little after that, maybe like two weeks after that, I noticed spotting. And then I, um, I asked the doctor, they was like, you know, spotting is normal. 
Um, but just keep watch, make, you know, make sure that it doesn't get heavier. Some women can spot throughout their pregnancy and have a total normal pregnancy. So it's like, okay. But I noticed that it happened a lot when I exercise, like I would exercise and that's when the bleeding would be a little heavier. Okay. Like, all right, this is concerning. So they was like, well, why don't you come in for, um, what's the scan sonogram? They was like, "Why why don't we do a scan and then we'll see what's up. So I came in, um, and I think at that time it was fine. Everything showed up fine, but they said it's too early for a heartbeat. So they was like, come back in two weeks and we'll see if, if you have heartbeat and just, you know, observe. So I came back two weeks later. Um, and actually, sorry, before that, I think, yeah, the day before that appointment, I had really heavy bleeding, really heavy cramping. And immediately, I think they say you have like a bit of an intuition. Like I knew something was really wrong. And I even called, you know, father and was like, Hey, you need to come here. Something's up. And so we go to a, what's it called? The non-emergency, the cheaper emergency. The urgent care. Urgent care. So I go to the urgent care. It's like, we can't help you. And I'm not going to the emergency room and paying a fee. So I went to the doctor and they said, so, and they did another sonogram and they were like, we don't have a heartbeat. It looks like you might be miscarrying. And I will say like beforehand I had, um, what is it? The pelvic floor. I could feel like a heaviness on my pelvic floor. So what I had seen before, mm. like the imp- the baby was still implanted, but uh, on that visit, everything like had just dropped to it had detached and everything. I was basically about to pass. Everything. Mm. Okay, so you experience your first miscarriage, and what is the conversation like with your partner? Um, and, and, and how, how were you feeling? Because this is something that almost seemed to be five to to six years in the planning since this was a conversation had with your previous husband as well. So how were you feeling and, and what was the conversation to push forward into trying again? Mm, I think what, you know, like people and people tell you, and it sounds condescending when people tell you, but it's really true. Like people will say, it's, you know, don't think it's your fault. Um, and you can like cognitively think like, yeah, I didn't do anything. It's just something about the body or the, you know, the, the cells or whatever. But subconsciously, you kind of feel like, like, what did I do? Like, how did I fuck this up? And mm. I think that is a hard part to, to get through. Um, and then otherwise, I think it was just like, I know a lot of women around me who've had, who even the ones with children had a miscarriage. So another part of me was kind of like, a little bit like, okay, well, this is unfortunately kind of normal. Um, we just try again. And, um, I think that that was really it. Okay. So you try again and get pregnant for the second time. Let's talk about what your second pregnancy was like. So the second time it's like, I, I was trying to be, so let, just to give you an idea of like timing. So I get the first time I got pregnant in September and then I got pregnant again in February. So it wasn't that long. Oh, after. okay. Yeah. Cause now I got this game down. I know <laughs> day 11, day 13. And right. So, so I'm pregnant and same thing. Like I have joy and I even gave him a car, like, you know, happy conception. Won't be, won't try to like get some of that joy. Cause it's very easy to like think negative. Right. So Especially like, after, don't. after a miscarriage for the first time. So you experience joy again. Let's talk about what that second pregnancy, um, what happened during that second term? 
So I tried to learn from the first, you know, I was like, well, maybe, maybe it's something with this exercising because I noticed heavier bleeding. So I kind of changed up my exercise routine and started doing yoga um, instead of doing like heavy cardio, um, just drinking a crap ton of water, you know, try to be as healthy as I can be with my diet, just doing all the things. And um, I had someone suggest that, you know, potentially check your uh, testosterone levels, sorry, mm-hmm. progesterone levels. Um, so I got that tested. So the doctor put me on progesterone just to, he said it wasn't horrible, but he's like, it could be higher. So, and if you take it, it doesn't hurt. So why not? Okay. And so I came in, um, for a up um, cause it, they would just wanted to be really observant and they were like, let's see if we can get a heartbeat. And so it came in and I had this really awful technician who was just like, um, first of all, she had my dates wrong. So she thought I was 13 weeks when I was actually eight weeks. And so oh, she was no. just saying, this is really small for 13 weeks. I was like, well, I'm eight weeks. So then, and then, so then she was like, she scanned around real quick. And then she was like, sorry, we don't have a heartbeat. And just walked out the door. So please tell me you called just for another nurse, another doctor. You did another follow-up because at eight weeks, there definitely should be a heartbeat. And so what what happened during that visit? You just felt as, did you feel defeated? Did you know it was another miscarriage? Did you ask for an, uh, another professional opinion before you well, left? What, what, you know, what did you do? So I went to, um, luckily that it was just a technician. And, and then right after you, you talked to the doctor and this is the doctor that kind of suggested the, she was the one that mentioned the APS and she was really good. And she, she like was the opposite of the technician. Like she was, very sympathetic was like, take your time, whatever questions you have, please ask me. Um, let okay. me offer you this scientific information. Let me. And this is where I'm first. about to ask you the questions. Now. So <laughs> this is the doctor. For, for those of you listening, um, I mentioned the term APS. Um, you said this is the doctor that suggested that this may be the issue. Um, and so let's get into that because by your second miscarriage, which mind you, there's women that go through many miscarriages before diagnosed with anything. So you're eight weeks into your second pregnancy. There is no heartbeat. And you've just been given the news that you're experiencing a miscarriage for the second time. The doctor comes in and mentions APS. Can we talk about what that is and what information she gave you regarding that? Yes, absolutely. And so, and I don't even think she mentioned the name, but she said there's a rare disorder that basically creates blood clots in your placenta when you're pregnant. Um, and the, the long name is antiphospholipid antibody syndrome. And um, so she, did, she didn't go into too much, but I'll explain what that is. Um, so on your cells, there is an outside layer that has phospholipids. And basically my uh, immune system is on high drive, like, um, mm. I'm in constant fight or flight, basically for those who are familiar with that term. And so my body is attacking healthy cells specifically when I'm pregnant. So, mm. um, basically sees like the placenta, the cells in the placenta as something that's attacking my body. So it's attacking that. Okay. So how did you receive this diagnosis? Was there blood work? Did she see the, the blood clots? Was this something that after uh, the first miscarriage, she had ran tests. Like, what? how did you get to this diagnosis by her? Okay. 
So that's a great question. So before then, it's just a suspicion. Um, okay. She doesn't know. So they do a bunch of tests and they, they check, like they scan the inside of the uterus, make sure that there's no scarring. I should also men- mention that when I, my miscarriages, I don't, I didn't do a DNC. I just did a natural mis- miscarriage. Okay. Um, and so I, um, she checked, basically checked the organs, checked my chromosomal levels, um, and then checked for this and everything that re- like everything that, re- oh, she checked my thyroid as well. So everything else was fine. Okay. And this came up positive. So the only thing about this is you can't top test positive once you have to test twice because these levels could go up if there's an infection in your body. Got so, you. um, so you have to wait three months and typically, so this is what makes this doctor special. You, it's basically a requirement that you have to have three consecutive miscarriages before they are supposed to test for this. So she, she went ahead and kind of pushed it a little early. And matter of fact, they say you can't even get a diagnosis, a clear diagnosis, unless you have one of the two, either two positive tests or three consecutive miscarriages and positive tests. So I'm really wow. fortunate. Wow. And um, I, I want to get a little deeper into your journey. You did try again for the third time um, with pregnancy as well. And what was the outcome of that? So we, ne- we never stopped trying um, and got pregnant again. This time, it what, they, what doctors have said is that it's likely a chromosomal issue because this was really early. I was maybe 11 or 12 days late on my period. And then it was kind of like a a normal period. So they said, usually when it's early like that, and they say it's still possible. It could have been related to it because it can start as early as implantation period, which is before you even get a positive pregnancy. So that's what that was like. Oh, so you got this diagnosis. You want a family. What are the conversations like, or are there conversations right now regarding other options in terms of building a family? Have you gotten there? Um, and also with the diagnosis of APS, did your doctor say that you will never be able to conceive? What What are those conversations looking like long-term? So the doctors are really positive. Like I have a lot of friends where they'll like, like suggest other alternatives, like right off the bat, but none of my doctors have done that. They, they say okay. you seem to be able to get pregnant naturally. So just keep doing that. They said that the, it, the issue is, and I've had two opinions, but they say I either need to get on not eat either because they agree uh, on a baby aspirin and what they call Lovenox. Okay. Uh, Lovenox is similar to like a Warfarin or a Xarelto. It's a blood thinner, um, but you have to, it's, uh, you have to basically take self-induced shots every day mm. for the entire term of the pregnancy. Mm. I actually used to have to take blood thinners when I got done with my ah. gastric surgery. So okay, they're actually, okay. so the shots are not bad. Um, they tell you to put it into like a fatty area. So mm-hmm. normally either you pinch your stomach and put the shot there. I assume they wouldn't want you to do that if you're pregnant. So one of the other places um, would be your thighs because there's a lot of meat in your thighs. However, mm-hmm. you do bruise with um, poking yourself, but it's really not painful. Um, and, you know, I- I'm glad that there's a solution. And I'm also glad that they're, they haven't been as harsh on you as I've discussed uh, even speaking with women with PCOS and other things where they pretty much just tell them, hope you don't want kids because you can't have them. So I love to hear that you have had a positive experience um, with your with your primary physician. 
um, or specialty doctor. I, I, I do want to ask then in terms of fertility, have you been to fertility clinics and what have those conversations looked like? Great question. So I, I, my OBGYN is who suggested that I go to a, a preconception doctor. And okay. she is the one that said, mentioned the aspirin and the Lovenox and specifically Lovenox kind of to your point about not injecting it into the site. Lovenox specifically because it doesn't pass through the placenta. Mm, warfarin okay. is around, and, and that's important because a lot of doctors are still prescribing warfarin for, for patients with APS who get pregnant and, the, oh, and wow. maybe don't know that that pass, it breaks through the placenta and affects the, the baby. Oh, wow. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. I guess uh, my, my last question, one of the things that you included in your email um, is the fact that you, you're someone that you're very close to has experienced um, 10 miscarriages and have they been diagnosed? Is this a conversation that you've had with her as well? And what are those conversations like um, with other women and who have also experienced miscarriages? So, yeah, and I think that's important because we don't talk about yeah. this stuff. And this is my cousin. I had no idea that she was even going through this. This is wow. a while ago, actually. And I just found out it was 11 miscarriages. But wow. um, yeah, uh, but and so I just because I wanted to make sure that I was right when I was talking about this. So her hers is very similar, but it's slightly different. She has what's called prothrombin mutation or okay. G factor. And basically she also gets blood clots and the treatment would be the same too. She would just be on aspirin or some sort of in, uh, blood thinning injection. Um, but, um, but she found that out, like nobody thought to, to, to check for these particular things until she was on, you know, miscarriage 11 and, wow. you know, not that they weren't screening, but they were screening for other things. I, I think, there's a lot of doctors that have biases, like even doctors mentioned to me, but even beforehand, like diabetes always comes up when I talk to like OBGYNs about conceiving, um, whether it's black doctors or, or white doctors. I, I know there's a conversation around that too, um, but I've gotten these kind of stereotypical things um, from both. And mm. so, you know, I think just simple screening for a lot of different, you know, a, ver a variety of things would be helpful, but also people just knowing these things exist. So, yeah, I, I think that that's helpful. Before we get out of here, I would love for you, for anyone listening who has experienced miscarriage to one time or to the third degree or the fifth degree or the 10th degree, what would be your suggestion for maybe what they ask their doctor the next time they go in? If again, maybe they haven't received a diagnosis or an answer, uh, what thing would you push them to get tested or talk with their doctors about? So just for everybody, and this is just health wise, um, I think of your health as a collaboration. Um, mm. Just like seek out information for yourself. You know, the doctor knows what they know, but they're also specialists. And so sometimes they have a bit of a narrow view, but the entire body is a system and different things affect different things. Um, and so I would just say, just do a lot of research, talk, talk to as many people as possible. Um, being, try to be in the best health that you can. Um, and that's just doing things that we all know, like drink a lot of water, leafy green vegetables, you know, just the, the ordinary stuff. And just, if your doctor's ego is bigger than your health, find another doctor. No mm -hmm. doctor should feel threatened 
by you asking questions. And if you get that, that means you're, you're, you're dealing with the wrong person. And that's important. Oh, that was very important. Carla, thank you so much for, for sharing your story, being vulnerable and brave. And I, I really hope that, um, your, your journey and your story, uh, really touches someone listening, uh, to go get the answers that maybe they need as well. So I really appreciate, uh, you joining and, do you want to share any social handles or maybe anything if anyone wants to reach out and ask you any questions? Or no, I'm hiding out. Uh... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is so fine. That is so fine. Um, well, Carla, thank you for coming on the show. And guys, as you know, stay tuned for some stats and facts. I'm going to drop some stats regarding miscarriages in APS, uh, which was brought to my knowledge during this episode. And Carla, again, thank you so much for reaching out and being great to share your story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I truly do believe that Carla did an amazing job at explaining not only her journey, but what it's like to be diagnosed with antiphospholipid antibody syndrome. Um, and again, what it is, is, is just the formation of, of blood clots in which, again, we've spoken here multiple times about the journey of infertility and miscarriages. And it was just really, really, really interesting to hear her story today. I really hope that you guys enjoyed walking through that journey with us as well. And, and one of the things that I always find remarkable, of course, is just it's, it's simply the strength um, to, to get married in hopes of building a family and that not being able to be scientifically possible or your partner changes his mind and then you find out later it's scientifically impossible. Um, it's It just never ceases to amaze me what so many of these women are going through. And again, it could be a, the woman that you're sitting next to in class, the woman that you're sitting next to at, at your job. Um, it could be the lady next to you on the train. You truly never know what someone is going through. And so I just ask everyone to be kind, simply be kind to those of you around, you know, another woman, just simply be kind. That's all I ask. I also want to thank you all for continuing your support with the official box owner brand, the period says podcast truly. And thank like, honestly, I am, I'm just so grateful guys. I want to thank you all for tuning in to yet another episode of period sis until next time. Bye guys. Bye guys.